Welcome to the Emotional Wealth Podcast, where certified financial planner, speaker, and consultant, Lon Broski, will discuss strategies that can help you to successfully navigate today's challenging financial environment. And using emotional discipline and focus, you'll discover how he educates his clients to stay on track with their financial goals. Now here's Lon. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Emotional Wealth. Our goal in doing these types of podcasts is very simple. We want to help educate our clients, and we also want to help educate investors. We firmly believe that an educated investor makes better, more intelligent, and non-emotional decisions within their financial plan, which ultimately help keep them on track with their financial goals. Well, we're here to discuss part two of our two-part series on Social Security. To quickly recap what we talked about last time, we talked about filing strategies, and we talked about scenarios that I had run into recently. And today we're going to talk about spousal benefits, we're going to talk about survivor benefits, and we'll also touch on the strategy of using delayed credits to your advantage. And so Social Security is a very important system that I see a lot of of people utilize, and some have utilized it inefficiently, and some have utilized it very well within their financial plan. And that's what we want to talk about. But there are several factors that need to be considered even before we discuss specific strategies. I had a client just today, and invariably, whenever you talk about retirement planning, Social Security will come up in your conversation. And it should, because it's an important part. A client I met with today, and we'll call him Bob. Bob and I sat down, and we we're doing just in the beginning stages of developing his financial plan. We're really in the, in the fact-finding stage. So we're finding a lot about what he has, what investments that he's utilizing, all those things. We got to talking about Social Security, and he just assumed that when he got to full retirement age, that he would file, maybe even file early. And we talked a little bit in our last podcast about filing early, but I said, you know, Bob, there's a lot of other factors to consider than just your age. You have to consider one of the most important is your health status. If you're a relatively healthy person, which Bob is, then maybe you want to use delayed credits, that strategy, in your financial plan in order to utilize Social Security to its fullest. Another consideration has to be your life expectancy. Perhaps maybe you have a family history of shorter longevity. So that may require that we file earlier. Maybe we have a long life expectancy. I had a client in in my office the other day, and he expected to live to age 125. That was a first for me. I was in that meeting when he said that. You could have knocked me over with a feather because very rarely do I ever sit in a meeting with a client. The client tells me that they're planning to live to age 125. But that is important discussion, is is life expectancy. The second is your marital status. Are you single? Are you married? Are you newly married? Those types of questions have to be answered. Next is survivor needs. That's another area of consideration in determining when to file for your Social Security. Is there a, a survivor need? Is there a big discrepancy between Bob's Social Security and his wife's Social Security. If there is, then we need to talk about that survivor seed. And maybe Mrs. Bob, we'll call her, needs needs to have some survivor benefits because her benefits is not as big as, as his. 
And another consideration is whether or not you plan to keep working. Okay, Bob does not want to continue to work. He wants to, once he retires, he wants to be done. But if you do keep working, how long are you going to keep working? How much are you going to earn? Those are considerations to think about. The other thing is, is uh, last and certainly not least, is, is what other assets do you have available that's going to help you in retirement? So Bob and I discussed that and, and decided that we had enough in assets to possibly delay taking Social Security and, and earning those delayed credits. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that a delayed credit strategy. Bob um, has been working in his current position for 40 plus years. He's been at the same company for a long time and fortunate enough to have worked there and accumulated quite a bit of wealth in assets beside his 401k. He's been a great saver his whole life. We quickly discovered in that meeting that he had a Roth IRA, he had a regular IRA, and he had a 401k, and he also had some, some other investments beside the IRAs and the 401ks. And so we quickly determined that maybe a delayed credit strategy might be helpful to him. And he didn't had no idea what a delayed credit strategy was. And, and very simply, a delayed credit strategy is this. Between your full retirement age and age 70, that time frame, if you do not file for Social Security, the Social Security Administration will add permanently to your benefit. And when I told Bob that, he's like, what? I never heard of that. Absolutely, that Social Security Administration uses a formula to give you these delayed credits. And it depends upon what month you retire after your full retirement age will determine how much of a benefit increase you could potentially get. And that formula is very simple. For every month that you delay filing after your full retirement age, you will get added 0.667% every month between your full retirement age and age 70. Bob was like, okay, let me do the math real quick on that. 0.667 times 12. Well, holy moly, that's 8% per year. Absolutely it is, Bob. 8% per year, you can get added to your benefit for every year that you delay between your full retirement age and age 70. If your full retirement age is 66 and Bob's is 66 in four months, you could potentially get up to 32% more by waiting. And that never goes away. You'll always get 32% more. If you're 150 years old, we talked about last time, just as there is a reduction that never goes away if you retire early before your full retirement age, you can use that delayed credit and add on to your monthly benefit. And that never goes away, no matter how long you live. So that 150-year-old that's still receiving a Social Security check, they're getting 32% more if their full retirement age was 66. And in this case, Bob's retirement, full retirement age was 66 and some months. He's not going to get the full 132%, but he's going to get quite a bit more than what he would if he hadn't waited. So in this case, Bob had quite a lot of assets outside of his Social Security that he could use to provide his family with income between the ages of 66 and 70. And he could take advantage of that 8% guaranteed delayed credit, especially in this interest rate environment. And we both agreed. I said, Bob... Where else can you get 8% guaranteed in this interest rate environment? Yeah. Well, can't get it in CDs, can't get it in money market accounts, and you're not getting it in your savings account. Delayed credits in this environment could be a good strategy for Bob, and it was. It made, in his case, when, when we projected out to 125, when we did the Social Security analysis, it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, Wow. I didn't realize it would make that big of a difference. I just thought when you filed for Social Security, you filed for Social Security. Got done. I don't have to worry about anything else. Nope. Nope. 
that delayed credit, specifically if you have other assets that can that can get you through that age between 66 or 67, between that time period and age 70, you have other assets that could be to your advantage to use those assets and get the delayed credit that Social Security Administration is going to give you that could potentially add hundreds of thousands of dollars to your benefit over your lifetime. Something to absolutely consider. Let's transition from, from Bob and let's bring in Betty. And Bob and Betty are a couple. So let's talk about spousal benefits, not only from a living perspective, but from survivorship scenario. So let's expand again on Bob. And Bob and Betty came into my office and we just talked about Bob using delayed credits. So let me give you a little background here on, on Bob and Betty. Bob and Betty have been married for 30 plus years so they can file on each other's records. There's a significant age difference. Bob is five years older than Betty, and Bob's primary insurance amount, which is his benefit, is much higher than Betty's. That's the scenario. The other important piece of this scenario between Bob and Betty is that Bob would like to retire earlier than Betty. Betty determined that she was going to continue to work after Bob was retired. She wasn't quite ready. Bob was ready. Bob had had enough. He'd worked long enough. The dynamics of his employer changed, and so he just wanted to retire. Betty was not in that same situation. She wanted to continue to work. And Bob and Betty are not alone in their considerations as far as coordinating spousal benefits because there's multiple things that you need to consider. Number one being age difference, which in this case, there was a significant age difference of five years. That needs to be talked about. Another is if one spouse is expected to outlive the other. Now, in Bob and Betty's case, they were both healthy, so there wasn't a, a critical illness scenario to where one spouse is significantly, by a number of years, expected to outlive the other. But if you do have or if we do run into that case, and if you do have a spouse that is critically ill, maybe that is a consideration as far as coordinating spousal benefits and also your survivor benefits as far as which strategy you're going to utilize. And the other significant thing is your different primary insurance amounts. In this case, we had that significant difference. Remember I told you earlier that his primary insurance amount was larger than Betty's. That big difference has to be taken into consideration because when Bob and Betty came into my office and we went through the discovery process and we talked about that retirement planning piece of their plan, right? And there's so many areas of your financial plan. Okay, there's your there's your retirement, there is your investment, there is your wealth transfer, there is your insurance. We're just talking about retirement and social security benefits. Okay, but those are other pieces that we had to discuss with Bob and Betty. So, but in this case, with the significant difference in the primary insurance amount, and Bob wanting to retire before Betty, that specific need told us that we should probably think about a different filing strategy. And 99.99% of the time, the default thought process, and it's not wrong, I'm just telling you what the default process is, 99.9% .9 of the time, the default thought process was Social Security as well on, I, I mean, once, once I get to full retirement age, I'm gonna retire. I'm gonna file for my Social Security benefit and I'll be done, right? Bob and Betty were no different. Betty assumed that when she retires, she's going to file for Social Security and be done. No discussion, no thought about, not even, didn't even know about delayed credits, which we just talked about. But in this case, because Bob was going to retire earlier, had a significant higher amount. And we also discovered from a survivor benefit 
that Betty wanted a higher Social Security benefit. It made her feel more secure. Right, wrong, or indifferent. That was Betty's goal. When Betty told me that, immediately I turned to Bob's delayed credit scenario. In this case, one spouse is significantly older, is going to retire earlier. We did have a significant amount of assets that when Bob retired, we could draw from build up those delayed credits, which in a sense, the reason why that was so important is because Betty wanted that larger survivorship benefit. Because remember, between spouses, that survivor benefit is a larger of one of two amounts. Betty would get, if something happened to Bob, either her benefit or half of his, the larger of those two amounts. There is no other rule that Betty needs to worry about the larger of one or two amounts, either her amount or half of Bob's. So in this case, because it was important to Betty, which we discovered in the financial planning meeting, to give her comfort, to give her peace of mind. And so we decided to use those delayed credits for Bob. He was going to retire at his full retirement age, and he was immediately going to file for benefits, but we decided ultimately not to do that. We decided to withdraw from other sources of income and let those delayed credits build up because, number one, of the significant age difference, the primary insurance amount was going to be much larger. And so we can add those delayed credits at 8%, which we just talked about, right? We added those delayed credit to Bob's benefit. So now if something happens to Bob when he's older, 76, 86, not, I mean, whatever age, Betty's going to receive that half of his, which is a much larger amount than what her amount was. So that's a strategy that we utilize specifically for Bob and Betty. I absolutely 100% stress this. This is one particular example. It's not a universal filing strategy, but you have to know about it in order to make an intelligent, non-emotional decision. Because if in Betty's case, if Betty receives half of Bob's amount and from an emotional component, which is what this podcast is all about, it's called emotional wealth for a reason. Emotionally, Betty wanted that security. They had the resources to ensure that Betty emotionally was taken care of. And that's what this whole podcast series is about, is making sure that Bob and Betty were emotionally connected to their plan and put them in a better position so that when things perhaps maybe don't work out the way that they thought, emotionally they would not push the panic button. That's a maximization strategy. In order to use that maximization strategy, as I said earlier, Bob and Betty were married over 30 years. You have to be married at least nine months. And if you do have a spouse, in this case, Betty's primary insurance amount was less, 50% less than, than Bob's, then you may want to talk about using that delayed credit strategy in order to enhance the survivor benefit for the surviving spouse. The rule is, is that the spouse is either going to get the larger one or two benefits. And I, and I mentioned this earlier, but I think it, it needs to be repeated is a larger either of their own benefit, surviving spouse, or half of the deceased's benefit. That's it. When we talk about survivor benefits, especially for spouses, I mean, there's a multiple layers of survivor benefits for, for, Spouses that, that are not retired, for spouses that are uh, potentially get remarried, for spouses that, that have are caring for a younger child. This is just one particular scenario. And, and more importantly, my goal in presenting these scenarios to you is to get you thinking. The Social Security system is so massively complex. 
there's not one particular strategy that you use. It's each an individual scenario. And we just discussed Bob and Betty's individual scenario. Not saying Bob and Betty is a universal. Their strategy that they use is universal for everyone, but it's at least something that, that you need to be thinking about, which is really the whole goal of this. So I want to transition into a divorce scenario. Because again, this is one of the more common scenarios that I run into to where one spouse is divorced and has been for a number of years and would like to apply for Social Security benefits. I don't know whether you realize this or not, but as a divorced spouse, you can file on your ex-spouse's Social Security record. That is not known a whole lot of times. Now, there are some rules that you got to follow, but I had one particular case where the spouse knew that early on. She delayed getting married again because her ex-spouse's Social Security record was much larger than hers. And she knew that. Got to have... Got to follow some rules. If you're a divorced spouse, here are the rules. Number one, you have to have been married at least 10 years and divorced more than two. That's requirement number one in order to file on your ex-spouse's record. Your ex-spouse has to be 62 years or older in order to file on their record. If your ex-spouse is 58 and you want to file on their record, not going to happen. They have to be eligible for benefits, essentially, which obviously the first age that you can be eligible for benefits is age 62. So in this case, my client, her ex-spouse was 62. So that's what even brought about the conversation to begin with, was should we file on my ex-spouse's record? The third is that you also have to be eligible to receive Social Security benefits yourself. That goes back to those 40 credits that we talked about early on in our podcast. You have to be eligible to receive Social Security benefits. The other is, is that you cannot remarry before age 60. In this case, with my client, she decided not to remarry because you cannot remarry before age 60. She had been with her current partner for 20 plus years and they discussed it and decided that that was the strategies that that they were going to utilize with Social Security. Again, not saying it's right. I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong. The scenario that they decided was because filing on her ex-spouse's benefit. So that's very important to consider. Again, just to recap, for divorced spouses, you have to have been married at least 10 years, divorced more than two, can't remarry before age 60. Your ex-spouse has to be 62 or older, and you have to be eligible to receive benefits yourself. Otherwise, you need to have 40 credits before you can file on your ex-spouse's benefit. And again, that spousal benefit is half of their benefit or yours larger the two. In in the case of, of my client, her benefit, which was much smaller than his, and half of her ex-spouse's benefit was much larger than her own. So that's what led us to decide to file on her ex-spouse's Social Security. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about the primary insurance amount. We talked about spousal. And we also talked about divorce spouses, their benefits. And again, we, we just touched the surface, just skimmed it. So much to talk about. I want to make myself available to you as a resource. Use us. Myself and my partner at Pines Wealth Management are here and available for you. We can do the analysis for you. We have the software. We have the knowledge in order to help you make these decisions. Not necessarily more money out of the Social Security system, but at least we need to look at these various different filing strategies. Let us help you. If you're looking for help, reach out to us. We have a quick reference guide and a planning workbook that may help you determine which strategy to use. 
And don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And be sure to like this podcast on whatever podcast service that you're listening to us on. Be sure to like us so we can expand our audience and get the word out to as many people as we can that this topic is important. Have topics that you like to discuss? Please reach out to us. Email us at podcast at pineswealth.com. We also have a 1-800 number. That number is 877-467-6567. That's 800-467-6567. Thank you for your time. We look forward to seeing you on the next edition of Emotional Wealth.